All right. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Let everything within me bless his holy name. Uh, Aaron, Pastor Aaron and I, we had a wonderful time visiting Busan last week. We got to preach at our brand new church plant, our seaside campus. They just got their new sanctuary, and it's beautiful. It's real nice. And they got a great deal on the furniture and the uh, AC and the heater. They got all that for two mil, $2,000. So, I mean, they got all this. So, I want to steal some of their, their furniture because they're not using it. So, you know, I'm the lead pass. So I could do that. No, but uh, no, it's just wonderful to be able to see them. And we were joining them for their Sunday swim. And let me tell you, we, last time we were there, it was around summertime. And man, the fire was there right at Sunday swim in a way that wasn't there during the summer. You know what I mean? It was like a little flame in the summer. But on Sunday, this past Sunday, it was a fire. And they are really like our ceiling is their floor. I mean, for even for Itaewon, it took a while for us to get that culture established, you know? And that was our first church plan. But, man, God is accelerating things. With every new church plan we do, God's going to just keep on just pouring out His grace. And there's going to be an ease that comes because the grace has already been deposited in us and people are stewarding it. And so it was really powerful. And uh, I want you to keep uh, our Seaside campus in prayer and let's just continue to remember them and reach out to them in love uh, because God is doing a mighty work in the city of Pusan. Last night, we had our Thanksgiving banquet here in Seoul. The Pusan campus, also, they also had their own. But last night, the, uh, we were not able to end the night properly giving thanks to the people who worked so hard to make the banquet happen. Now, I know we loved on and and thanked, and Facebook commented on all the people who performed. But how many of you guys know that people who did not go on stage once yesterday, they are well-deserving of proper honor? And so I'm going to take a moment to thank them, if that's okay. Uh, we want, and let's just hold our applause until I go, go through the whole thing, all right? Uh, so we, want, we definitely want to thank Michelle Flickinger and her dad. Uh, they helped us with getting on base and getting some of the American goods that we can't get at E-Mart. You know? The yams were provided, you know? Some yams were good. Uh, also helping with shopping was Pearl, Alexan, Unisco, Kristen Hendrick, and Hendricks, and Turkey Pickup was provided by David Ahn, Joshua Vu, and Tech Relo. So thanks, guys, for picking up the turkeys. Uh, now, that's a big task, picking up turkeys for 200 people. And then... You know, Eunice and uh, all these other sisters, they had to go uh, take the church van and go Costco shopping, all that stuff. So they really went out of the way. Uh, my sister was in charge of the cooking and kitchen crew, my sister Erin. And so I want to thank her. And I heard that uh, Danny Kim was also up in that kitchen. I heard he was chopping so fast that the Korean deaconesses from the mother church came just to watch him. Danny is an aspiring chef, so if you, are, if you have a lot of money and you want to invest in a restaurant, you want to invest in this man's restaurant. Uh, anyway, hey, hold that applause. Hold that, hey, sit down. <laughs> uh, also helping out uh, with the cooking kitchen crew was uh, Dana Helly, G, Pastor G, Linda, 
Ginny uh, Park from Itaewon, Chris Prasad always ha- holding it down, uh, Alexander Pearl, Christian Hendricks, and I heard Sam Yu was going up and down them stairs all day, all night. So thank you, Sam. Um, set up cleanup serving crew. Uh, Itaewon Gina Kim was in charge of that. I want to thank you, Gina. And Nathan, Hugo, Tammy, uh, Chris Kim from Delaware, Chungmi Park, Sam Yu, Min Young, Yunji, Eunice, Evelyn, Kristen Nguyen, and Celine Chung. Uh, we want to thank you guys for really setting everything up and helping to stick around to clean. Uh, you guys have to really sacrifice during the talent show to continue to keep serving. So we want to really thank you. You probably missed most of the talent show. Uh, some parts, uh, you know. Okay, I'll stop there. Uh, but thank you for serving us. Decorations team. Kathleen Ahn was in charge. Thank you for leading that. And uh, Tina, Louis, Joanne, Marie Suazo. And by the way, if you didn't help, don't take the credit. Uh, just ignore me. If, if your name's on here, well, you didn't actually show up. <laughs> anyway, don't take the credit. Kate Kwan, Madison, Jamie Byun, Candice, Chisu, Jimmy. Uh, and I want to say a special shout out to Don- Donna Chow. If you noticed in the, in the uh, middle of the table, there were all these centerpieces. Uh, different leaves, uh, pine cones. Well, apparently, Donna spent the entire week going throughout the parks of Korea <laughs> picking up pine cones and leaves to decorate. That right there, that is faithfulness to a whole other level. <laughs> if it was me, man, I would have just gone outside and tried to pick some stuff outside from the playground. Man, she spent the entire week. Huh? She washed them leaves. Well, were you planning to make us eat them? I don't know, but them, them leaves were clean. Uh, Isaac Kim and Isaac Han also helped out, even though they weren't on the team. Thank you, guys. And John Westfall was in charge of tech and stage crew. Uh, other than a little few hiccups, uh, job well done, John. Uh, Pastor Marcus, Mark, Pastor Mark Yu, and Eugene, Isaac Kim, and Chris Kim from Virginia. We're also serving on that team. Thank you guys very much. And then all our wonderful photographers, Alan Netrauer, Judy Kim, and uh, Danny Kim, B-Boy Danny. Uh, they were taking pictures throughout the night. They should be posted when you go home tonight. You should be able to see those wonderful pictures. And then Pastor Joel, uh, Pastor D- Diddy Kang, and Matt Coe, and Dustin Kraft. They also helped out with the video for the night so that we would have plenty of video for our future archives. So I just want to thank everybody. Let's just right now just take this time thank everybody, even the Itaewon people listening by podcast. Thank you very much, everybody. Hey, don't worry, I haven't forgotten. Let's thank the MCs, Gracie, Ella, and Ryan Duker. And then let's thank the coordinators for the entire event, uh, Pastor Myung Choi and Eunice Ko. Yeah. You guys really held it down. All right. Very good. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27, verses 15 through 20. 
And we're going to look at the word of the Lord today. Numbers 27, verses 15 to 20. Now, this is toward the end of Moses' life and leadership. That's the context. Verse 15. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar, the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. It's the word of the Lord. Now, one thing I want you to take note of here is the word appoint in verse 16. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation. The New King James says, set a man over the congregation. Everybody say, set man. Set man. Now, appointed man sounds a lot longer. So I'm going to use the term set man. Okay. Up until this point, Joshua, uh, Moses, was the set man over the people Israel. And as Moses is nearing the end of his life, Moses voices this concern. Now, it's not like it was Moses' idea. It's that Moses was in such oneness with God, in such friendship with God, he knew the heart of God. He knew that it was not for Moses just to die and leave the leadership vacant, He knew that it was the heart of God that that vacancy be filled. So out of that concern, he said, may the Lord, the the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint, set a man over the congregation. And so God said, all right, very well. I want you to take Joshua. And you appoint him, you set him over the congregation. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and over all the people. And you commission him. You lay your hand and you invest some of your authority and put it upon Joshua that he may be the new set man in your departure. Now, I want you to take a couple mental notes here. One thing I want you to take a mental note on is notice that God tells Moses to invest some of his authority to Joshua. Not all, some And I hope I can return back to that point. I'll try to touch upon that before the end of the message. If I don't, you can ask me later. I'll put it on Facebook. Another mental note that I want you to take is that notice this commissioning of the next leader is public, not private. Everybody say public. public. Verse 20, you shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. Now, some people may claim that they should be the next leader of a movement. That they should be the next leader of a church. They should be the next leader of a church plant. But if it ain't public, I'm telling you right now, it's not the Lord. 
Hear me. Joseph Smith, Charles T. Russell, the Prophet Muhammad, the Reverend Moon, they all claim to have private encounters with God where they got this deeper revelation where God commissioned them to be the leader of their movements. But it was all private. Ain't nobody else knew about it but them. But let me tell you something right now. The leaders that God sets, it's always public. By the way, if you don't know Joseph Smith, he's the leader, the founder of the Mormon, uh, Mormon, Mormons, Mormonism. Charles T. Russell, Jehovah Witnesses, Muhammad, you guys know, Reverend Moon, the Moonies, and so on. You might be like, well, what about David when he was anointed king of Israel? Wasn't that secret? Wasn't that private? Now, let me say something about David's appointment. David's appointment was definitely the exception because God was calling Samuel to anoint a new king when the old king was still in his power. So Samuel knew that his life was in danger. So God said, all right, so be it. You go in stealth into town of Bethlehem. All right. You don't need to tell everybody what's going on, but you bring out the sons of Jesse and I'll show you who you are to anoint as the next king. So it was the exception. It was definitely dangerous by nature. So Samuel had to be stealth. But if you read the biblical account carefully, it was still public. The Bible says, 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Now you watch the Hollywood movies about David. And it's just Samuel and David in the middle of the desert with some sheep in the distance. Now. Nah, the brothers of just the uh, brothers of David, they were all their older brothers, all the youngs. They were like, man, I can't believe he getting anointed over me. They were all grumbling among themselves as David got anointed in their presence. It was still public. Even the commissioning of Jesus was done publicly. When John the Baptist, John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. It was a very public event. And God made it even more public with his voice coming out of heaven. This is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. So we have to take one mental note right away. Is that the commissioning of God is done publicly. Through established leaders. No matter how flawed or how lifeless, how dry they are. Think about how Samuel got appointed into his office of prophet. It was through another man, Eli, who was washed up, done. You know, the judgment of God was going to fall on him and his family. But God still used Eli, an established leader, to raise up Samuel, who would be the next leader. So if the commissioning was not done publicly through established leaders... You need to be suspect of that leader. That leader is probably about to start a cult. There's no connection to the institutional church. As much as you might critique the institutional church, let's, let's watch the pattern of how God appoints a man. When he appoints a set man, he always does it publicly. You know, and this was a hard lesson for me to learn. Now, if I had it my way, 
man, I, I would just go start New Philadelphia Church, an independent English ministry in some building that whatever building we can find, and we just we just have church. We have church. That would be my way. But God's way is different. What's God's way? I want you to submit in the spirit of sonship to this old school senior pastor who has been around for 41 years pastoring his church. And I want you to submit to his leadership. I want you to get his approval. I mean, not get his approval. Oh, please give me your approval. Like, you know, be approved by him by being a faithful servant, being a faithful pastor. And that is my way. And you're going to go to seminary as well, Christian. I want to go to seminary. No, you're going to go to seminary. You're going to learn how to relate to the rest of the body of Christ. Because when I'm about to do something mighty through a man of God, when I'm about to set a man over the congregation, over my people, I do it publicly. You know, it's a powerful thing when a new upcoming leader doesn't just go off on his own. But rather, he goes to the established pastors and says, will you give me a blessing? I'm about to start this ministry. Can you pray for my ministry? If that's the heart and attitude, and they get that public commissioning or they get that kind of public recognition, that's a good sign that that pastor is doing something that God appointed. But when that pastor is isolated by himself and has actually and has actually taken 10 people from some other established church and started his own little prayer meeting, started his own little church plant and doesn't refuses to relate to the rest of the body of Christ, be very careful. That's not a safe place. And if the person gets power too quickly and they don't have sound doctrine, you'll probably find yourself in the next Moonies. All right, so that's not my main point, man. I thought that was a good point, though. Now, Moses sets Joshua as the set man over the nation of Israel. So that from now on, if you wanted to enjoy the blessings and benefits of the covenant, you had to obey the set man. You had to honor and submit to Joshua's leadership. That's just the way God did things. The covenant that God made with Abraham, the promises that are contained, and then the blessings of the covenant made at Mount Sinai through Moses, the set man. If you wanted those benefits of promises and the blessings of the covenant of the, of the law, you had to obey Joshua's leadership. If you decided, well, I'm going to take Moses' teachings and I'm going to go off on my own and start my own little group, all right, you will not have been blessed. You will not have experienced the blessings of the covenant. And you would have actually cut yourself off from God's people. Turn that off. All right, I'm, I'm trying to ignore that. I'm going to try to ignore that. <laughs> it's okay, don't get nervous. I don't know who you are, but don't get nervous. All right, I'm a gracious man. So Joshua was now the set man. Now, some of the purposes of the set man, they're mentioned in passing by Moses here. 
Okay, look at verse 17. Numbers 27, 17. Moses is saying this in passing, so it gives us some insight into what the set man does. Verse 17. Appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So number one, the set man goes out before them. What does that give you a picture of? The set man goes out to see what's next. He's a visionary. The set man is the man who stewards the vision of a movement. If we had, we have uh, 11 core leaders right now in New Philly, right? These are kind of like the governing leaders, the governing elders of the church. If we had 11 people try to steward the vision of this movement, it would be chaos. No, the set man stewards the vision of a movement. And if you have a different vision or if you have an altered vision, right, and you're a son of that house, it's probably somehow connected to that vision of the house. And once it matures, God may even bless you to have more of an autonomous vision. Or if you're in the business marketplace, I mean, it looks a little different than that. I'm talking about ministry. Anyway. Number one, the set man goes out before them. He's a visionary. Number two, the set man goes in before them. So the set man takes care of the sheep. They, he goes in to the people, learns how to love them, learns how to heal them, learns how to cover them in prayer and govern the affairs of the community. Number three, the set man leads them out. The set man leads the people out. Where does he lead the people out? He leads the people out of false doctrine. He leads them out of idolatry, immorality, foolishness. Somebody say amen. Amen. Pastor Christian, Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron and myself, as we are the, we are one. So as we are the set man over this new Philly movement and this new Philly peoples, right? Over the sons and daughters, we lead you out of foolishness all the time. The people, man, they are just prone to wander. Especially when you're just beginning in your Christian faith. You just come back to the Lord. Man, there's a lot of foolishness. There's a lot of circumcision. You know, a lot of cutting away of the flesh, of the heart, right? And then we, we may not directly do it for you, but we do it through our appointed leaders, our small group leaders, our pastors, our Emmaus familial leaders. You know, don't be all like, oh, I honor you, Pastor Christian, and then despise your familial leader. I honor you, Pastor Aaron. Whatever you say, I will obey. And then small group leader, man, stuff, I don't want to talk to me. Small group leader, who do you think you are? I'll tell you who the small group leader is. Small group leader is there to lead you out of foolishness. To lead you out of that immaturity. To lead you out of bad character. Anyway, that man leads you out. Whether it's direct or delegated, he leads you out. Number four, brings them in. The set man brings the people of God in, into his joy, into his presence. I don't know, it could be a whole bunch of things, right? Into his intimacy. Brings them into his promises. Where a lot of people are like, I don't even know what the promises of God were for my life. And I'm like, the promises of God for your life involve the favor of God. 
What? God would have favor on me? I thought I had to earn everything. I thought I had to work for everything. No, no, no. It's about favor, young man. God wants to show you favor. But I didn't do anything. Exactly. He wants to give it to you just because of who you are in Christ. The set man brings the people of God in, into his promises, into his goodness. So, you know, these are just four simple reasons of simple functions of the set man. But the kind of the ultimate goal here is so that the people of God may not be as sheep without a shepherd. So in this passage, it makes a connection between a shepherd and a set man. So take note of that. When you have a strong set man, it's like having a good shepherd. But when you don't have a set man, it's like the people of God turn into sheep without a shepherd. Some of you in here, if you were not established as a member of this church in in the spirit of sonship to Pastor Aaron and I and our leadership... You would you will be like sheep without a shepherd. You'll be walking around. You'd be going up to thieves that want to take advantage of you. That want to abuse you. And you'd be like, are you my shepherd? And that thief will be like, yeah, come follow me. Come follow me. Yeah. But when you have a strong set man, it's like having a good shepherd. Now, do you know where else this phrase, sheep without a shepherd, is mentioned in the Bible? All right. It's in 1 Kings 22, 2 Chronicles 18, Isaiah chapter 13. In these accounts, Israel, the people of God, is described as scattered like sheep without a shepherd. You know what happens when a set man is missing from a church or from a movement? When you don't have a set man, the people become like sheep without a shepherd. They have no way to go in and go out. No one's leading them out of heresy. No one's leading them out of foolishness. So they just dive right into all kinds of folly. And they become like sheep without a shepherd. They have no way to understand the covenant of the Lord and they are ignorant to the blessings and benefits of that covenant. And do you know where else this phrase, sheep without a shepherd, is mentioned? It's mentioned in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let me tell you something right now. Where is the first place sheep without a shepherd appears? It's in our main text, Numbers chapter 27. When the sent man is missing, the people of God turn into like, they they get scattered like sheep without a shepherd. So when Jesus arrived and began his public ministry, that's the situation he was faced with. There were all these people that were scattered. Actually, it says harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. How did this happen? How did, how did the people get to be in this condition? I'll tell you, it's real simple. 
You go back to Numbers 27. There's no set man. Without the set man, the people of God turn into sheep without a shepherd. Now you might be like, well, 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 well isn't, that God fault? isn't that God's fault? God should have made sure that they were Joshua's. That were set in place of every generation. How did Jesus arrive on the scene and all these people were like sheep without a shepherd? That meant, like, where's the leader? How come there's no leaders that God appointed over that generation? Where are they? And let me try to give you my theory of what may have happened. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. Let me give you my theory of why it was so bad when Jesus came. You need to listen to this because I'm going somewhere. Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse 24 to 30. It's the parable of the weeds. Parable of the weeds. You ever have weeds in your yard? I grew up in Philly. There were so many dandelions. There were like my 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 front yard was green, but there wasn't much grass. This is all weeds. Anyway, look at this. Verse 24. Matthew 13, 24. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, 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 no. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. So just let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first. Bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, you might be like, what does that parable mean? Okay, look to verse 36. Because the parable of the weeds, Jesus explained it. <laughs> all right, he didn't do that for all the parables, but he did it for this one. Let's read the explanation. Read the explanation. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. Now, a lot of people don't like this explanation, by the way. But you need to take it at face value. All right, this is not a Calvinist agenda. Read it at face value because this is the words of Jesus. Read it at face value. Look, look at this. The disciples came to him and said, Man, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. We don't get it. Jesus answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. That's Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Okay? So the sons of the evil one synonymously means the sons of the devil. <gasps> How could you ever call anyone a son of the devil? Okay, well, Jesus did. <laughs> now, I don't think we should go around doing that. But we should have a framework for thinking of, some of, the, of interpreting some of the things that we see in the natural uh, in people. All right, we need to have a framework. We can't be think, thinking like all of them you know, need more opportunity to receive Christ. No, 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 no. Some of them 
They're just straight up sons of the devil. All right. Let's keep reading. The harvest is the close of the age. The reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will it be at the close of the age. It's judgment day. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Why was it when Jesus arrived on his public, when he began his public ministry, there was such a lack of leadership? You know why? Because the devil placed his leaders amongst God's people and they had risen up to all the positions of authority. In fact, they did such a good job. And the people God had called didn't rise up. They didn't speak up. That all the people, they lacked a set man. They lacked a good shepherd. And they were just scattered. Like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, turn to John chapter 8. Just, just so that you know. I just want to wake you up from your rosy view of the church. Your ideal view of the church. Let's wake you up from that. Yeah, yeah right? Let's wake you up. Yeah. Look at John chapter 8, verse 42 to 44. Uh, the, Jesus, you think Jesus is the nicest guy in the world, but look at this. Jesus said to them, Okay, if God were your father, now he's talking to these uh, Pharisees, these leaders, these religious leaders that were supposed to be the set men. Over God's people. This is what he says to them. If God were your father. You you would love me. For I came from God. And I'm here. I came not of my own accord. But he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you can't even bear to hear my word. In fact. You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he's a liar and the father of lies. Jesus, isn't your rhetoric a little too strong? You are of your father, the devil. He tells the spiritual leaders of that time. He says, you are sons of the devil. The reason you don't listen to me is because you're not, you're not. Because your father is not the father in heaven. Your father is the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. The reason why all these people are scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Is because you've robbed and you've pillaged and you've taken the positions of authority. And this is no set man. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to show what the set man does. I'm going to show the world what the set man looks like. That's what Jesus is all about. Many, many of the Pharisees, let's be real, were not God's chosen leaders. They were planted by Satan himself. Now I'm going out on a limb here. People don't like this. They don't like this message. But it's in the Bible. 
Many of these Pharisees, they were not God's set men. They were not God's chosen leaders. Unfortunately, it's no different today. There's a lot of people that take jobs. And then they wonder, I'm doing everything that I learned. I'm doing everything that I was trained for. How come I don't see the fruit? Some of them, they, don't, they got no business being in ministry. Because they went to get a job. God's like, I want people who are called. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be working in the business realm. What, what are you doing here? Get off the pulpit. If God hasn't called them, why would God supply them with all the provisions that they need for them to be fruitful? God's just like, man, you, got no, you, you, you just want to hold a job. This ain't a job, son. This is, this is a sacred calling. That not everybody can just volunteer for. You got to be chosen. You think, you think that Moses was like, hey, hey, God, can you set somebody over the congregation? All the Israelites are like, me, me, pick me, God, pick me, pick me. God just said, shut up. I don't want to listen to nobody. Set Joshua. You think there was any vote there? You think there's any volunteerism going on there? You think Joshua even had a say? Uh, I would not, I would like to decline, God. <laughs> God's like, no. You don't have a say. You just respond because I've chosen you. Even when Moses tried to be like, I decline. I'm not going to Egypt. God said, man, you better hurry up, pack up your stuff. And the anger of the Lord burned against Moses because, man, God was like slow to anger. But he was, he was like, Moses, you're taking too long. I called you. I've chosen you. You don't got to say in this. You respond. That's a whole nother message. It's no different today. So many Christians are scattered. Let's just be real. Right? So many Christians are scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And I think the answer, the answer is not to go witch hunting for all the sons of the devil. Because let's be real. For those who, are, who really took it as a job, there's also just straight up sons of the devil that are in positions of pastoral leadership. Can I just come out and say that? Is that okay to say? I think, I think there are people who are in pastoral positions of leadership who are not even Christians. Can some of you actually believe that? You're like, oh, never. It was like that during Jesus' time and it resulted in people being scattered. And there's still a lot of people scattered today. And we read in Numbers 27. What was one of the main reasons Moses was like, you need to set a man. So that they will not become like sheep without a shepherd. Whenever you have sheep without a shepherd. You have set men that are not rising up to take their place. Or you have sons of the devil that have taken that place. You know the solution today. Is not go witch hunting and looking for the sons of the devil. I know you Pastor Jay. You are a son of the devil. I see you. I see how you do quiet time. You know. Yeah, right. Like somebody like Jay, like he's a prime example. He might look like the nicest guy, 
But he's actually the son of the devil. Like, I'm just saying, for an example. But, you know, we know Jay's legit. He's legit. He's a true son. You're a son of the Most High. You're a good son of this house. The solution is not to go witch hunting. The solution, because even Jesus said in his parable, don't try to root them out. You try to root them out and you're just going to root out a whole bunch of other people that are that are that I planted. You're going to jack up their lives. Oh, what happened to my pastor? Pastor Christian came and told him that he's the son of the devil. And now I can't go back to his church because I don't know what to do. He's going to jack people up. You don't go witch hunting. The solution is the true set men have to rise up and take their place. That's the solution. Jesus embodied that solution. Because he came and he said, look, man, there's no set man. Look at all these sons of the devil taking these positions of leadership. I'm going to start a new movement. I'm going to raise up 12 men. Call them apostles. And they're going to rise up to demonstrate the leadership that I want them to embody. I'm going to first demonstrate it in my own ministry. And they're going to receive it as their inheritance. And they're going to lead with that same model that I've shown them. With the same richness that I carried. The solution is for the set men to rise up and take their place. So Jesus, he demonstrates what it means to be a set man. What it means to be a good shepherd. And I I do want to distinguish between set man and good shepherd. A good shepherd is not necessarily a set man. A set man is a good shepherd. But a good shepherd is not necessarily a set man. You guys got the difference? All right, I'll move on. (laughs) I'll expand on that later. So Jesus demonstrated what it means to be a good set man. Look at him. His ministry consists of teaching and preaching. So you got to understand, teaching and preaching is central to the, to the duties of a set man. Uh, healing the physically sick. right? Even uh, Let me go back. Joshua, God told him, meditate on the law. Meditate on my words. Meditate on the teachings. Why? Because Joshua needed to know how to teach and preach. He needed to know how to share what God had taught him. What Moses had passed down to him, he had to pass down to the people. A set man, especially on this side of the cross, set man is all about preaching and teaching. Uh, healing the physically sick. We thought this is only what some old, prof- old Testament prophets do. Jesus said, no, this is what all set men do. You heal the sick. You heal the brokenhearted. You cast out demons. And you also demonstrate a lifestyle of devotion to God. You know, Jesus went out early in the morning to pray. Why was he doing that? And I bet, I bet, I bet the disciples were sleeping. And I bet Jesus will come with some pots and pans and say, Hey, everybody, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up, wake up. Oh, Jesus, hey, what you doing that for? Jesus is like, I'm going to go out to pray. You can go back to sleep. I just want you all to know. <laughs> I'm going to go and pray, all right? Man, they never wake up. You know, I, I bet Jesus, he did it secretly, but I bet he also made an effort to make sure they watched him. Why? Why? Because he's trying to model for them this way of life, this way of devotion. They were supposed to inherit that because they were going to be put in charge of being the set man of their movements later on. And by the way, if you look in Moses, uh, so I'll come back to the mental note that I mentioned earlier. Moses, the Bible says, invested some of his authority on Joshua. Why did he do that? Just give him the whole thing. Give them all. Why, not? Why just some? 
Why just some? Well, in a very similar way, Moses is a type of Christ. He's, t- he's, he's a type of Christ in the sense that when Christ ascends to heaven after his resurrection, Christ doesn't give all of his authority to Peter. I like you. Here's all my authority. No. He gave his authority to the apostles, but it was distributed among them. So that for them to have the fullness of God's authority, they needed to learn how to work together. Do you hear what I'm saying? If whenever God gives just a portion, it's for the purpose of you finding out who has the other portion. We are the body of Christ. We're supposed to work together. We're supposed to be knit together. So Jesus is not only the good shepherd like we are familiar with. Jesus is the set man. You need to understand this doctrine of set man. Uh, One way in which you can kind of bring this out is Luke chapter 7. Look at Luke chapter 7. You can bring out how Jesus understood himself as the set man. Just as Moses was a set man and Joshua was a set man. Jesus understood himself as a set man. Look at Luke chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus went with them. Luke 7, verse 6. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. So the centurion has a really sick servant And he's asking Jesus to heal him because he heard about his healing ministry. Look at verse 8. The centurion, he says, For I too am a man set under authority. So check out the words there. I too. I-T-O-O. Tambien. I also. (laughs) Am a man set under. Under authority. Karis wants some of that authority. Okay. So what does the centurion recognize? Centurion says, I'm a man under authority who has authority. I exercise authority. I tell my servants do this and they do it. I say go there and they don't, and they go. Just say the word Jesus. I know how it's like. I see that you're a, a man set under authority. You're a set man. You have authority because you're a man under authority. I know what it's like. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus, later on, he says, wow, this is awesome. He commends the guy. Because this non-Jew got a revelation, a deep revelation of who Jesus was. A set man. Without even knowing much of the Mosaic law. I too am a man set under authority. This guy recognized that Jesus is a set man. Now the set man Jesus. Now the set man of the covenant promise was who? Abraham. Right? Abraham receives the covenant of promise. What does the promise say? You'll be blessed. Blessing to all the families of the earth. It was also geographic. There was a land attached to the promise. Which is why we still have fighting going on in the Middle East. It is not a geopolitical issue. 
It is a word of God being fulfilled issue. And it is an anti-Semitism that is rooted in the very pits of hell. Anti-Semitism is completely satanic. And Satan is using these poor people to keep up this anti-Jew, anti-Semitic rhetoric. Because Satan wants to destroy God's people. Not only the church, but also the original ethnic people God had chosen through Abraham. So who's the, who's the set man over the covenant promise? It's Abraham. So all the Jews like to call themselves sons of Abraham. But also there's a set man of the covenant of the law. Who's that? Moses. Moses mediated that. Moses gave it. He taught it. He's the set man of that covenant. Now, the cool thing is the set man of the new covenant fulfills the covenant promise and fulfills the covenant of the law. Who is that? It's Jesus. Jesus, as a set man, fulfills both covenants that Abraham and Moses has stewarded. So that now in Christ, we can reap all the blessings of the covenant promise to be a blessing to all people, all nations. And also the blessings of the covenant of the law. That if you be careful to keep all of God's commands, you will be blessed. Now some people think that that doesn't apply to us today anymore. It only applies to the Israelites. I beg to defer. Where does Jesus say, I fulfilled it. And by the way. Not the blessings, though. I actually cut that out. I fulfilled the old covenant law, the, 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 the covenant of the law, but I, I took out the, the blessings and curses. No, 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 no. If you look at the Christians today, whenever they disobey the moral law of God, what happens? They experience all kinds of frustration, all kinds of strange mildew. Why? Because mildew is mentioned as some of the, cur- the effects of the curse. Of breaking God's law. You venture into idolatry. You you go see a psychic. You practice occultism and witchcraft. What happens? Your physical body starts to deteriorate. You get tormented by demons. Why does that happen? Because the blessings and curses of that Old Testament. the, the, The covenant of the law is still in effect. It's just fulfilled in Christ. So that you don't have to try to fulfill the law in order to gain salvation you already have salvation all right stay with me now uh one thing i want to draw out here is jesus here is recognized by the centurion as a man set under authority jesus is able to exercise authority because he is a man under authority but you know what in the church today there's so many people that want authority but they refuse to be under authority We just have too many pastors in the body of Christ that is not under any authority. Whatever the reason they got there, it hurts, disappointments. They got wounded by a previous spiritual authority or leader. So now they're just too hurt or they're too impatient to come. And so they avoid being under authority. Or they want to exercise authority and tell others to submit to their authority, but they refuse to submit themselves. You know, in the charismatic movement, I see so many young people who are gifted, who want to exercise incredible amounts of authority by virtue of their gifting and anointing, but refuse to learn how to submit to a man of God. You know what that's like? 
Let me make it practical for you. It's like a policeman who, who just came into the academy, and he's like, let me get a gun, 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 but refuses to submit to the chief, refuses to submit to his trainers. Or uh, let's take Tony Richardson's example here, right? Tony's a pilot of uh, Black Hawk helicopters. In fact, the other day on Thanksgiving Day, he told me that he had to fly in all of these uh, army officials into Pyeongchang. And it's like a three, four-hour drive, but it's a 35-minute Black Hawk helicopter ride. So, so man, we, we, we need to get, get together sometime, brother. Maybe you can help us with our Busan church plan. <laughs> we have a helicopter landing, actually, on top of my apartment right now. Anyway, uh, it's like a Black Hawk newbie saying, let me out of the simulation, let me get a real black hawk, let me get a real black hawk. But refuses to listen to his trainers. So these are the safety measures that you got to follow. Can you imagine, Tony, if some knucklehead tried to fly a black hawk, but he refused to submit? He didn't follow any of the safety procedures? What would happen? You wouldn't get in the helicopter with him. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You wouldn't want to join his church either. Right? Yeah, if, that, if, that, if that's the kind of attitude a pastor is exhibiting, you don't want to join that movement. There's no safety. It might take off. <laughs> but it may not stay in the air very long. It may start spinning like crazy. Or the enemy, you shoot it down. <laughs> I'm getting crazy with that analogy. <laughs> or it's like a quarterback that wants the authority and the leadership of QB1. They want to be the starting quarterback, but they refuse to listen to the coaches. I saw a documentary called Brady Six. It's about uh, quarterback Tom Brady from New England Patriots. You you guys got to check that out. Oh, man, I'm over time. Okay, I'll just stop talking about that. Anyway, you need to check out this documentary. It's 45 minutes long, but it it will touch your heart. It's a a powerful testimony. Anyway, um, Tom Brady listens to his coaches. That's how he's so successful, you know. Anyway, um, it's like a teenager that wants a Lamborghini. <laughs> Papa, give me a Lamborghini, but refuses to submit to the speed limits. You know, these types of leaders in the body of Christ, they're straight up, they're dangerous. The set man that fulfills the covenant promise and the covenant of the law, Jesus, even Jesus was a man under authority. If God made his only son be under institutional authority, by the way. I mean, Jesus probably had words of knowledge. All these Pharisee leaders, they're sons of the devil. Can't believe that person's in leadership. But he still, God the Father had him be under authority for a season. Because you don't want to exercise authority if you've never been under authority. We need... Shepherds, we need pastors in our local churches to really rise up. And we also need set men, a set man to be giving leadership over ministries and movements that have global or regional impact. The set man passes down the teachings. But Jesus has shown us that the set man is also to impart authority, to impart anointing power, to uh, bring correction and rebuke. Remember Jesus rebuked Peter? He said, get behind me, Satan. A set man 
he has the responsibility to rebuke you and to bring discipline. To pass down a godly way of life that builds character. The set man has this role. He does this. And no set man is immune from being under authority himself. If that set man is 20 years old and he knows he's supposed to lead a movement, he better get under authority real quick. Because David knew as a teenager he's supposed to be the next king. And David submitted under King Saul's leadership. Even when he was, his life was in danger, he still took the heart of submission, being under authority. Until the day King Saul died. Then he was able to take his place and exercise his authority. There's a point of times, brothers and sisters. Now, even for, even for uh, Pastor Christian, even for myself. I believe that I'm stewarding a certain level of authority right now. You know, I do. But I believe that I'm going to steward even more authority. But uh, it needs to be in the appointed time. Because you can see that I'm already quite offensive. I'm, all, I'm still very insensitive and I'm not empathetic all the time. You know, if I, if I get too much authority too quick before the appointed time, that authority can ruin me. That authority can jack me up. You know, and so that's why God's put Pastor Benjamin over my life. He's put Pastor Huang over my leadership. Why? Because this guy, Christian, he's so gifted, so smart, so good looking. But man, he's a wild horse. He's a wild, wild one. And he's telling everybody to submit to his leadership, but he don't know how to submit himself. Make him go to seminary. I'm telling you, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Because you know what I have to do? I have to sit through my seminary classes. I look at my professors. I'm like, I don't agree with this. I can't believe he's teaching this. But then the professor says, Christian, do you do your homework? Oh, oh thank you, professor. Uh, yes, yes, I'll, I'll make sure I do it. This is my season to submit. And you guys should be happy about that. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. This this is the main point of the message. When you come in covenant with a set man, another term for him would be a spiritual father or a mightily gifted, appointed man of God. When you come in covenant with a set man, that set man, God has ordained for him to give you inheritance, a rich, rich inheritance. But let me tell you, a set man must be gifted. It cannot be just through getting a degree and getting an ordination. The set man must be gifted. And when the public appointment comes to its fullness, the set man must be mature. You know, gifted and mature men, when they disagree with each other, they don't divide and stop talking to each other for the rest of their life. But why is there so many denominations? Why are there so many divisions in the body of Christ? How did we get to this point? I have two reasons. I, I know why. There's so many divisions because the problem is when ungifted men take positions of set man leadership. If you're not gifted, don't take that leadership position. That's not you. Don't call yourself father of uh, many nations or father of a movement. That's not you. If it ain't in you, it ain't in you. 
When ungifted men take these set man positions, it causes a lot of divisions because they come up with all these kooky doctrines that aren't really that biblical. Or you have gifted men who take positions before their appointed time. So they lack the maturity to learn how to get along and work with others in the body of Christ. But if all the people, the, the set men that God is raising up at this hour, if they will be patient, they will not rush, and they will develop the maturity and the character, and they come into their positions of authority and leadership in their appointed time, there's going to be a great unity in these last days. You hear what I'm saying? And there's an ungifted man that's trying to act as a set man. We, we need to be nice to him, but somebody should tell him the truth. I mean, somebody should eventually come to him and say, hey, you should stop. You should, you should just be, think of yourself with a sober judgment. If, you, if God just called you to pastor one local church, then do that faithfully. But don't be all trying to start this movement when you're, the gifting's not in you for you to do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Ambition can only take you so, so far. The anointing's got to be there. The authority's got to be there. Anyway, I see a vision of a great unity among local churches in these last times. As set men who are gifted and mature take their places of authority. I believe Pastor Aaron and I were part of that crew. That sounds arrogant. It's okay. (laughs) Pastor Benjamin and Sonny, I believe they're part of that crew as well. I believe there's a lot of other amazing men that we're meeting right now. And we talk. We have guest speakers come through all the time, right? We talk. We don't agree about everything. That's okay. There's no reason for us to divide and, and go start another denomination. Doesn't mean I can't never invite you again. Right? Mature and gifted men, they learn how to love and work with each other. That's what we need at this, moment, at this hour. We need set men to rise up and take their place. We need spiritual fathers to rise up and take their place. So I hope I was able to give you a clear picture of uh, what a set man looks like. Right? A set man is a person that you can come into covenant with and enjoy the blessings and benefits of the covenant that Christ fulfilled when he came and demonstrated what a true set man looks like. All right, I'm closing prayer. Father, we just thank you that you do not leave us like sheep without a shepherd. You don't just give us a Bible with words on a page, although those words are very precious and they're spirit and life to us. You don't just leave it up to us to interpret it all on our own wisdom or our own Western-educated minds. You give us your Holy Spirit so that we're not orphaned. But not only that, not only do you give us your Holy Spirit, you give us set men in the body of Christ, gifted men, that will give an inheritance to God's people. That will give them a sense of identity to a local family. You appoint set men, just like you did in the days of old. You continue to do today. 
And Father, we're tired of seeing wannabes or even sons of the devil taking positions of leadership. Lord, right now we call out for the set men that you've chosen, the Davids, the Joshuas, to rise up and take their place. The Peters, the Apostle Pauls, to rise up and take their place. Why don't we do that right now? Just pray for the set men that God is raising up in this generation. Let's pray. Call out for them to take their place. Call out for them to be patient in the place of submission. Call out for them to rise up. Rise up. Rise up and teach sound doctrine. Rise up and pass down a devoted Christian life. A a way of life that is full of devotion. Let's take this time. Let's call out the set men to rise up at this hour all over the earth. Come on. Pray for that right now.